This is a post-Christian podcast. We are the Sacred Collective. All are respected, all are heard, all are welcomed. Join us. Welcome to the Sacred Collective. Um, this is going to be a fun episode. Um, it's me, Brian, here in Minneapolis. We have Caleb Bro, as all, many of you know, out there in Seattle. Hello. And and we have Neil. Neil, you got to say your last name for me. I'm always going to hack it up. <laughs> Sedgwick. Sedgwick. All the way uh, across the pond in Belfast. Um, and so we're coming at you. We're going to do a little different episode. We're going to talk about a movie. And a lot of you know, if you've listened, Neil has done a, you had a, are you still doing a podcast about doing movies and stuff? Or is that kind of on hiatus? No, no podcast. Uh, they say it's just, uh, just a bit of writing here and there. Uh, okay. So you can find it. Search Neil Cedric on Twitter and you'll find me. Cool. Fantastic. So we're going to talk about, hopefully this is not a one-off that we'll do a couple of these because I know all three of us here really like movies and TV shows and hey, you know what, we can give our take on it. So uh, somebody take it away. I know what movie we all watched, but um, what movie are we going to discuss today? Fireball Visitors from another, is it from another, no, from Darker Worlds. Fireball Visitors from Darker Worlds, is that right, Neil? Yes. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's a very interesting title. It, say that much. It sounds like it's something from like Mystery Science Three Thousand mm-hmm. or something, but but it's not. Mm-hmm. It's uh. So who wants to? T- well, yeah. So I I found out about it through Neil. So Neil, if, if you want to maybe set it up a little bit. Okay. So this is the latest documentary from Werner Herzog, the the absolute king of documentary making. Uh, Herzog directs this and he has Clive Oppenheimer as his kind of uh, interviewer um, and they are taking a, a look at meteorites uh, and how what happens when they come to Earth what they are, what they do when they land here and what they do to us as a consequence of that and um, and it's available on Apple TV. Um, if anybody wants to watch it, and if anybody, <laughs> I know Apple TV is kind of one of those subscription services that not a lot of people are uh, using. I don't, I don't think it has like the kind of you know the uh, profile of a Netflix or like an Amazon Prime, but um, they do pop up with uh, very very interesting things like this. And for me, Werner Herzog is, is an incredibly Interesting filmmaker, whatever mm-hmm. he's doing, um, but his documentaries um, recently have really tickled me. There's this documentary made about technology, um, which the title escapes me right now. Um, but he has this lovely moment in it with some Buddhist Buddhist monks around a park somewhere in the state, and all looking on their phone, and he's like, "Are they praying? Are they meditating?" <laughs> What are they doing? <laughs> just a lovely, very hard dog voice. But um, I love this film because I I find it to be um, very scientific yeah. and yet very spiritual mm-hmm. at the same time. Um, Ver- Werner doesn't do um, 
It never makes a documentary that looks at one aspect of things. It always kind of comes around in this big, massive, wide scope um, to the point where this this ends up basically being about everything <laughs> um, in some ways. And I, yeah, you can probably tell by the way I'm going on. I, I really, really love it. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was, yeah, it was really, I, I liked it too. Um, let's play, let's, I got a clip here. Let's, let's play a clip. The meteorites come from the sky. Are they visitors bringing life or bearers of destruction? That was fantastic, Caleb. I loved it. Loved it. Yeah. Um, I, I, I really liked yeah, all the spiritual tie-ins. They, they spent time on some native uh, spiritual traditions and then they talk about uh, Hinduism, which is really cool because cosmology plays such a big role in Hindu mythology. Um, of course, they, they directly talk about like creation and destruction and the the uh, the link between them, the the essential uh, relatedness of the two opposing forces, and like how you know Earth getting hit by a destructive meteorite can can spur new life, and you know life on Earth may have even come from a meteor from another planet, and um, and yeah, it's it's really wild. Um, I, I I do like what you said, Neil. I, I like that about Her, Herzog. How he's he doesn't really have an angle, um, except for just his broad kind of uh, worldview, I guess. But he, he's not like angling for like oh, um, it, it, you know, there is a spiritual meaning here. He's just kind of uh, like anthropologically just kind of observing what's what's going on. And it, it is it is weird how interconnected. Um, impact sites are with like culture hubs and stuff like that. And, um, and, you know, he's talking about like ancient Mayan civilizations. And I think he talks about the Egyptians too. And just like the, the relatedness of the heavens with, um, yeah, with spirituality and yeah, it it gave you a lot to chew on and it didn't necessarily give you like a, a solid conclusion. Like you're walking away with a, a compact, easily, contained um thing to put put in your back pocket yeah i i appreciated um the religious aspect not just when they interviewed like the catholic priest which that had to be a sweet job um being a scientist and then like in in a way like i don't know if he's a priest but like in the order yeah the jesuit then how he talked yeah he talked to you know with that individual but then he talked with the lady in india india about like the Hind- how Hindus look at the meteorites and and even like you said Caleb with like the Aztec and the Mayan and there was that brief part where he talked about um, you know Mecca and, and yeah, that was Islam cool. and how they deal with that and I didn't really I didn't realize that um, Werner Herzog is is an atheist so I thought it was really cool as someone as an atheist who doesn't believe in God brought you know religion not just one religion but looked at a lot of the bigger religions in the world and we're like can we take something away from this how do other religions look at um the meteorites uh, on it and and like i i agree he wasn't like trying to push anybody in either direction but just like asking these kind of open-ended questions which i think is really good for a document a documentarian filmmaker to do mm-hmm. He doesn't. He doesn't want to give you any definite. He wants you to draw your own yeah. conclusions by what you make 
about what he's telling you. And he has, um, there's another film he made called The Cave, I think it's The Cave of Forgotten Dream, where they they find these old um, cave paintings from like Neanderthal, cavemen, type times, and just, <laughs> he kind of goes into all that and just kind of goes, this is, you know, this is their art. This is what they did. They left their stories for us to learn from themselves. And, and so it's just that thing of here's a massive, massive subject. Here's a massive, massive information dump. Now you, like four days, five days later, removed from having watched this, I'm still processing wee bits of it right. and remembering little things. Like there's a bit where, you know, these, these scientists, these, these incredibly uh, educated, intelligent people are holding these lumps of iron and holding them up like holy yeah. well. Mm-hmm. And I, I I kind of thought like, you know, at 2001 where you kind of see like, it it was like a flashback to the past and the present. It was like, this is falling from the sky <laughs> and holding up to be like worshipped. And it should be because it's, it's incredible yeah. and it's beautiful and it's there's the, there's the Danish <laughs> the Danish jazz guy who decided he was going to collect space stuff. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The the <laughs> and, jazz player, the yeah. And there's a moment where he he says something in it like, you know, you collect this stuff up, and you realize that nobody has held anything older than mm-hmm. them before you, and my whole body just tangled with kind of this like mind-blowing thing that this guy's running around with this tiny little magnet collecting things that have been in in our atmosphere, in our galaxy, in our world from, you know, creation, Big Bang, whatever whatever label you want to put on it. And then the scientist in the next shot is going, yeah, we're, we're, we're all stardust. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm going, yeah, we are. Yeah. Yeah, we are. We're all from us. We're all matter. We're all created. We're all from somewhere, and I can't work it out. And her thugs is going, "Here's all of it. Right. Have it, all. <laughs> you know." And that that priest, that one of my favorite moments in the whole thing, that priest in that observatory in the Pope's the Pope's summer residence somewhere. By the way, what a gig! Yeah, that right. Is. <laughs> that is <laughs> dumb gig. Um, the. Oppenheimer asks him, he goes, when you look at a shooting star, do you see the, the science? Yeah. Do you see the wonder? And he, <laughs> the priest turns around and just goes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, and that's it? That's the beautiful, the most beautiful way of putting it because we expect a religious person to go, oh, well, you know, God did that and shot it from, an angel has a job up there and shoots it from an arrow and you whiz across the sky. You know, and this guy just goes, yeah. And because of the science, it makes it more totally. Yeah. And I was really impressed with that that priest saying that because you know when they interviewed him, I was kind of like, oh my gosh, is he going to give some like padded, you know, Catholic answer? You know, did they kind of tell him, you know, what's going on? But I really liked it because obviously he has, you know, he's representing the Catholic Church. And there was the one funny part was like, oh, if there are aliens like little green men, would you like kind of like witness to them in a way? And he, he said, would you like, baptize mm. them? Or no, yeah, would you baptize yeah. them? And he was like, oh, only if they asked, which yeah. I thought was really funny. And he answered funny. that immediately, too. <laughs> Didn't even hesitate. Yeah, and I, I 
and I like that it was like there was some humor throughout too. It wasn't just this deep, you know, intellectual movie. I mean, it was that, but I just was really impressed at like kind of what you were saying, Neil. Is like, you know, aren't you in awe and wonder of this? And it's like, yes. It's like, what other word can you know compose that? You know, like a, a guy would be giddy like crazy if that was my job and if that was my field but i think he you know did a really eloquent job i also like when he went out to hawaii and interviewed the people out there and that was like their job it was like the night shift and they're like they have like the biggest uh, like camera or telescope like in the world and their job is to literally watch the sky and and to see if there's meteorites coming and you know all that and you could kind of tell like Werner Horzog and then like the Oppenheimer guy were like this is sweet like this is your job like you're protecting us as humans from any of these big pieces of rock you know and entities like coming from another dimension not dimension <laughs> another part of our solar system or whatever it's it's pretty it's pretty crazy it's pretty intense I like I didn't think I was gonna like it as much as I did but good 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 pick neil on this movie yeah i thought it was really interesting yeah. too the uh the native woman who he's talking to uh where the crater is like a really big part of their ancestral traditions and kind of sp- spirituality with their link to their ancestors um it was interesting because uh i think Oppenheimer asks like what uh, what is the exchange I, I, he's he's asking like the history of the crater i think and she gives the scientific explanation and then she just rolls straight into giving the, the mythological explanation that she inherited from her ancestors. I thought that was really, really cool. Um, cause she's like, well, this is what some say and this is what others say. And it, it just kind of, I think, um, went hand in hand with the, the style that Herzog has that we we're already talking about, about just kind of information dumping. Like these people say this, these people say this, these people say this, here you go. Um, I thought it was also really cool talking about the spirituality um, was I didn't realize I, I'd heard of the, what's it called? The black stone in Islam or whatever the, the, the stone, the meteorite. Um, but I, I, I'd, I'd heard that term, but I didn't realize that it was like actually in uh, the, in the scripture. That's pretty cool. Like to have a, um, what, the, what do they call it in Catholicism? A, uh, a sa- not a sacrament, a token. What's it called? A, uh, like an, icon? an icon, thank you. Icon, yeah. Uh, like a piece of Jesus' fingernail or whatever. <laughs> I, I, I didn't realize. I knew about Mecca and all that, all that uh, in terms of location and what it was for, but I never realized that there was an actual, you know, that kind of black rock meteorite was in there as part of it. I, like, I didn't, I didn't know that at all. I knew about the significance of the place and the reason for the gathering and all that, but I, yeah. Like there's something, yeah, there's something deeply, I don't know, it's a, it's a funny thing. It's, like I say, it's incredibly scientific, but incredibly mystical at the same time. And for me, that, that in some ways just summed, summed everything up in, in terms of, um, like even how I feel connection to God at times and um, my rational brain and then my kind of more mystical brain because I can rationalize away a lot of stuff and then like I you know I put my feet in the water somewhere here 
when I take the dog out for a walk on a beach or I look at the sunset and I go, oh, there you are. And all the rationality goes. Every every rational kind of deconstructing thing that I have done over the last few years disappears and I get lost back in the wonder and uh, the mysticism of it. And I go, there you are. And, you know, my feet are literally in water and I'm going, oh, I've connected into something. Wow that I don't understand mm-hmm. and that that's where um, I think that's probably why I kind of connected so much with it and, and I've found myself ever since <laughs> every night I've been like out looking <laughs> yeah. at like stars that little bit more because um, it just it just kind of yeah just completely blew oh lord out. yeah astronomy has always easily been like the most fascinating science to me like the easiest thing to study because it's just like it's yeah it's like uh in more ways than one it's it's like you know it's magic you know it's it's literally the the mythology our our best speculation at the mythology of our origins of where we came from of of where this rock that we live on came from like it's it is magic and it has, you know, it has different laws of physics. And the thing is that we here on our little rock are the outlier. Like we think of outer space as the, as the outlier, as the weird place, but we're in, we're in this weird atmosphere, you know, gravity, um, being everywhere is weird, you know, like, uh, uh having a frame of reference is like a flat plane, like thinking that we're, that we're living on a flat plane. That's, that's the weird thing. You know, it's, it's what's always yeah. happening is these massive things floating around, knocking into each other and, you know, stars, um, uh, creating fusion and fission that create more complex elements that then explode. And those complex elements go out and become, you know, carbon based life. And it's it's just it's insane. I mean, and you know, like the moon used to be a, a, a hunk of the Earth. You know, twenty five percent of our planet was knocked off by a meteor and then uh, floated out and got into a locked orbit with us, and is and you know was was bashed up by a bunch of other meteors and is now the moon. Like that's that's magic. That's crazy, man. And now controls like tides and yeah. things like that. Like oh, what? 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 Like, I mean, you can you can blow it. There's a. I think it's the the latest Rob Bell book. Everything is spiritual. He talks about this kind of stuff, and he he says like, never forget that when you step out of your house, you're standing on a rock that is rotating at a speed that you cannot comprehend around this massive glowing ball of fire in a mat in a dark, dark universe with all these stars and all that stuff you're, you're talking about, kids. Like, that's all going on around you, and all these atoms and particles are going through you and back to oh, you, and you never... And it's like, the whole the whole thing is just... Yeah. Like, it, it could... In some ways, it'll blow your mind in the best way, and in other ways, if you just try to somehow work it all out, it could completely melt yeah. your brain. Seriously, <laughs> and you got you got to find a balance yeah. somewhere in between it. But uh, so that's, yeah. I think that's something that frustrated me growing up in <clears throat> in the evangelical world is because whenever I I'm like you, Neil, like I find this wonder, like being out there in nature, or or you know, re- like reading Rob Bell's book and then like li- or watching this documentary just makes me realize, like in my deconstruction, how 
you know, I, I'm, I'm not going to say I'm one with nature, but nature lets me know that um, I'm connected with it um, in whatever way we are. But always growing up, you know, I would go to my dad and, you know, other people in my church and be like, um, well, how did this happen, Dad? Like, if God said that, you know, going to the, you know, literal seven-day creation, like, how did, who created the galaxies? Who did this? Who did that? Well, God did that. And then, like, my one question that was, like, the meta question, I was like, well, who created God? Well, and it was like, well, God already, God always existed. And I'm like, well, nothing can exist out of, you know, nothing. Like, did he just, whatever. But, like, watching this movie, it made me realize, like, Christians have a, like, Christians can't answer that cosmological question. And, I mean, I had a cosmology class in seminary where literally that's what we did the whole semester was talk about the, the beginnings of the cosmos. And even the professor there who was a little bit more progressive and liberal couldn't really even do it in that best of a way. And kind of like there's things that scientists, theologians, philosophers, we we don't understand. Oh, like yeah. We can say, like, we can say the the cosmos are, you know, billions of years old and we can find this like stardust and we are stardust or whatever. But there's just, it, it, it's in a way, like you said, you know, like it, it's cool, but it also can melt your brain in a way. Cause like y- your rational brain can't comprehend all this stuff. You know, like you look out into, you know, you look at the moon at night and you're like, that's awesome. Or, you, you know, you see what the sun can do and the sun is a star, you know, billions of miles away. And, and I mean, I just remember going back from watching this movie, like some of those questions were coming up in my head. It was like, Christians do a really shitty job of trying to explain um, the beginning of everything. And they always go back to the Bible. They always go to the scripture. And I think a lot of religions don't really know how to do that. It's like, well, it started. Okay, well, how did it start? Well, we're not. We're going to say this, but really, at the end of the day, they don't really know because I was taught like, oh, the world and everything in it is like ten thousand years old. And then you see a movie like this, and they're like, we know for a fact that the world is the world and the cosmos is not millions; it's billions of years old. And then that just makes your little, you know, my little brain be like, uh, I am like this speck of insignificance in the whole, you know, meta everything. It's just, it's just fascinating. For sure. Yeah. Movies like this make me almost jealous of flat earthers because they like, they must just be so blown away by the creativity of scientists, like coming up with this fiction of like, yeah, every, there are all these alternate like dimensions, but they're planets and they're balls floating through a vacuum. And it's like, wow, you just made that up. Like, like, like to think of the, think of a flat earther and like all the science that goes into astronomy and stuff. Like they must have mad props for scientists coming up with all this bullshit and all the equations and the physics and everything. Like that's a lot of effort. You know what I mean? Like, like how much more simple is it just to look up and be like, Oh yeah, the moon is, is uh you know on an arc it, like like god is is just dragging it through the sky and then it starts like it's just so much more of a simple like if everything is defined and solid and finite you know in in 2000 years if we you know we could end up looking like the flat earthers like oh you you fools thinking that you know that you couldn't interact with multiple dimensions like you idiots or whatever whatever it is whatever the new the new uh fringe science is but uh 
Yeah, I mean, it, I think if you get to any point where it's like, oh, the earth is exactly this old, no matter what, where you're coming from, science or religion, then you just, you get into this tiny little box and, uh, and you're stagnant, you know, you can't, you can't keep moving and you die. Whenever, whenever I watched those, um, those parts of the movie that kind of went towards those, uh, native groups and those kind of tribal, um, people, I, I was like, oh, you guys have a better, a much better handle on them. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, just, just in touch, just in terms of, of being in touch with the earth, if that makes sense. Good point. I, I, I kind of felt like they just are more deeply connected to what the planet is and is about than we are. I think when Brian's talking about, like, the cosmology class and what we're taught, and not not to turn this into a, into a complete Rob Bell loving, we could do that very easily. But like in that book, he talks about um, how we very quickly just jump to Genesis three. Mm-hmm. So Genesis one and all that creation stuff is fine. Uh, put that in a box. But then we messed it up. We were bad. We did mm-hmm. this. We did that. That's what God had to do all this. And we just like we we cut off. I think. It really struck me when I was reading it because like we cut that bit off and we go, ah, yeah, that's all grand, but the point of this all is we're bad, then God did all this mm. other stuff. And it's like, no, 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 no. There has to be a point to the to the start point because otherwise the story's incomplete. It doesn't it doesn't scan the whole way through if we just start off three chapters in. Right. It doesn't, like you wouldn't pick up a book and start reading it chapter three. <sighs> right. And try to work out what the whole book's about, mm-hmm. you know. And when it, when I saw those tribes in the in the documentary, I was like, "Oh, you're you and your your people and your upbringing and your tradition is deeply rooted in day one." Mm. And I I kind of think we we need to work out a way to talk about. Day one, whatever day one looks like. I don't even know what I mean <laughs> when I say day one anymore after watching this film. But <laughs> like that kind of beginning of things, I think we need to work out how we talk about that much better. Mm. Yeah. Well, that's a that's a lot to chew on there. It's a big undertaking. <laughs> <laughs> this is what the film did. This is what the Jackson. I was like, I could just go for days on the things that this, this film comes. And it's funny how, um, you know, you read that Rob Bell book and then a couple of months later you see this film and then, you know, we're having this conversation about it all. It's like all these, all these things connect. Yeah. You know, like that those, those things don't happen. It's like, what, what am I, for me anyway, it's like, why does this stuff keep coming up? Right. Why is this stuff? Why? Why are these things coming to me every couple of months? Yeah. Of like this particular element of what I believe, mm-hmm. and it helps. It helps in the kind of deconstruction process and the and the reconstruction process to go. What do I actually think about mm-hmm. this? Mm-hmm. And what do I do with it? And how do I explain, so? How do I explain it to my kids when that comes? Because um, as I said before, I'm talking to you guys like we're, we're not at church. So do I? Do we do we drop a creation narrative on them? Um, 
they will be getting a bit of that at school through kind of uh, RE classes and, and things like that. Or do we just, you know, we we uh, we love a wander around our museum here, and that stuff comes into play there. And you know, like you like you're saying, facts are laid out. <laughs> why we why there are certain elements within Christianity that still try to go ah, but ah, it's like no, 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 factual information. Why are we why are we still trying to create our own narrative around this? Yeah. So how do we how do we integrate what we're talking about Genesis one, Genesis two alongside the scientific and the factual? Because it's twenty twenty and we need to do that in some kind of way that is understandable and still links into what we believe that story to be. If that makes any sense. Yeah. Heady stuff, man. And I think kind of touching on what you were saying, Neil, too, is, is I think the two things that Christianity has a very hard time explaining, and you'll hear any theologian or Christian philosopher say this, like Christian, the thorn in our side that we are unanswerable questions is the problem of evil and like cosmology that the beginning everything there is no adequate um understanding consensus any of that on those two topics it's just like so when someone and i actually know a lot of friends from seminary who are now agnostic or atheistic because of those two things like christianity says it has all these answers it says look in the bible pray to jesus you know whatever but when it's these two big monumental kind of questions And you have no, like, I mean, I remember from these guys who have PhDs from prestigious universities all over the world. And we were in, like, I took, I took it at a master's level and a doctoral level and both the same professor. And he was like, we just can't answer it. We can discuss it. We can talk about it, but we can't discuss it. And the same thing with my cosmology class with that professor who's actually been on this podcast. And I remember asking him, I was like, how, how do we understand, how do we grasp the beginning of everything? And he was like, we can't grasp it. It's We have to be in awe and we have to be in wonder. It's fun studying it. But at the end of the day, we can't just say, oh, it's this Genesis narrative. Because that, that Genesis narrative was written by one person understanding this whole thing. You know, what, you know, it's supposed to be attributed to Moses, the first five books, you know, the Pentateuch. But we don't know. And and I think that's like our understanding like as Christians. We're like, oh, well, we're just going to start at Genesis 3 or Genesis 1 or 2 is important. But like the way my mind's working and I think the both of our minds is going is like, but there, but we, we have to discuss that beforehand. We have to discuss like, you know, the space dust, the atoms, the, 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 you know, protons and the neutrons, the, the cosmos out there. And we don't really do an adequate job of doing it. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's hard it's because if you, I think part of the thing is that I feel, I feel like sometimes Christianity needs to answer questions like that priest does in this documentary and just go, yeah. Another one of my favorite answers was Richard Rohr was interviewed once and somebody said, is the Bible literal or is it poetry? And he went, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, I think, you know, I love that answer that kind of 
just goes, yes, because it's, it's all these things. Yeah. It's all these things, and it's more that we probably haven't discovered yet. Of and course, yeah. You know, it's, 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 such a, it's such a big thing to, in some ways, and this is going to sound like an incredibly heretical statement, but in some ways, it's, it's, the, it's the biggest weight around our neck um, because it, in some ways it requires us to, you know, we all have certain verses that we can whip out to defend our perspective with, you know, we can cut and paste it whatever way oh, yeah. we want to make it suit whatever our our own feeling on a particular topic is or our agenda is or whatever. And that is actually sometimes more of a burden than it is a freeing thing, which I believe is the intention of it. Um, is to show the, the freedom of what we believe, not the not the constraint. Right. And um, and I feel like sometimes that that burden of the need to be right yeah. is more important than the need to just kind of <laughs> be able to go, yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. <laughs> just leave it there, you know? Mm-hmm. Very, very true. That makes me wonder what is so initially attractive about that um that assertion of certainty i guess i guess it's because we're afraid of change and it's 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 uh predictable it 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 gives us a predictable model of like the universe around us and it gives us answers and so i guess we just want that security i guess that's what it is it's just a desire for security but like the three of us have all tasted uh doubt and um living in that gray area and we we all find it so much i think i can speak for all of us and say we find it so much more preferable than this uh <laughs> getting thumbs up getting getting nods um we find it a lot you know we find it just more savory more delicious uh of a way to live than in that kind of stale boxed in predictable uh universe that we kind of came from but it's just, it's a, it, but now that now that i've seen nuance and now that i've seen gray areas and now that i can be like oh i see why you believe that and why you're operating under that belief system and i try to kind of see why i believe you know why i am doing things too and try to see myself objectively and once you once we've seen that it's like why would we ever go back to the stale and 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 it's just so many i mean this is obviously where my mind's been and cooped up here in my little cave in seattle just thinking about shit but it's it, like that's how we get us versus them. Even that's how we get these closed-minded. Like, oh, they're all this way. We're all this way. They're all wrong. We're all right. It's it's it just leads to so much miscommunication and 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 um, even war. You know, like it it can it's just it's just uh, toxic. I think I don't know. I think what Neil said, you know, is quite accurate. Is it's the certainty. And I mean, one of a writer that I really like, uh, Pete Enns, actually has a book um, titled "The Sin of Certain" or "The oh, yeah. Sin of Certainty," which his whole book is like it's sinful to have this certain aspect to to know, like I'm certain, which could be another way of saying like I know or truth. And that's one thing I hate that what Christians do and 
my brother doesn't listen to to this podcast as much, but I'll catch him sometimes where he'll say, well, Brian, I know this about the Bible, or I know that, and I'm like, dude, that's sinful. He's like, what do you mean? I said to be so certain on whatever said topic it is within Scripture, that that's a sin because none of us know for sure. That's why it's called faith. That's why it's okay to have doubt. And I think so often whether someone's a Christian or not, or whatever faith they are, they're so certain that that viewpoint, their theology, whatever, um, is accurate. And I'm not saying to an extent that that's wrong to have faith or to have these no. certain views to, to have, that that's fine. But to be so certain of them, to die on that hill, I'm not, ex- I'm not willing to do. But I think the church in general instead of understanding these questions, like I think like all of us have been saying, instead of giving it an adequate um, understanding or estimation of it, they're just like, well, um, I, I, I don't know. Um, so we're not really going to answer it. Yeah. And it's like, uh, you, if you have a conversation with that person in that, in that space of, of asserting so much certainty, and I, um, or I, I, I should say if I had a conversation with myself when I was that person, I think the conversation would be like, you know, well, why, why do you have to die on this hill? Like you said, the language that you used, Brian. Like, why do you have to die on this hill? Well, because God said it, and God is God. Okay, so, so God came? No, no, no. Uh, you know, God wrote it down. Okay, well, who told you that this was God's writing? Oh, this guy. Okay, so you're going to die on a hill because this guy told you that these words are written by God, and that this is how to interpret them, and, you know, that, that this means this and this and this, and that this is the... Almost like how the Jehovah's Witnesses have like the lighthouse, like the, the the book that goes with the Bible to help you understand the Bible. It's like, oh, this is this is the set of doctrine. This is how you should interpret these verses. Uh, well, why? Oh, because God said because this guy said that God said that that they told this guy that God you know <laughs> wrote this book. Okay, well, it's, it's it's just so convoluted, and there's so many hoops to jump through, and there's so much gymnastics. If you if you say um, I feel that this is true, and I feel that that God uh, inspired these words, whatever, whatever, then it's like conversation over. Okay, great. You know, cool. But then once you start declaring, this is sure, this is certain. And um, it could even potentially merit dying on a hill or dying anywhere. Then it it just becomes this whole other thing. It becomes weaponized. How how dull does life become? Right. If the three of, if the three of us, had the exact same viewpoint, the exact same unshakable viewpoint yeah. on not just the Bible or church, even this movie, right? Yeah. You know, like, what what kind of robotic, boring world would we live in yeah. if, that, if that was how it was done? We need to have these discussions and we need to have everything on the table in order to find out Things about each other. So my 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 favorite thing is when somebody says something, and um, I never I've never thought of it that way because that's not my perspective. That's not my idea. Like in a, you know, um, in a in a Northern Ireland context, I don't understand what it means to have been in a in a Catholic household during the troubles. You know, right. no idea, no concept, completely alien world to me. And it is, I could probably get to one of those areas within 15, 20 months. Wow. Completely alien world. So, like, 
my we can't we can't just all hold the same position on anything, you know. Otherwise, like it would only be one sports team, and they'd have nobody to play against. <laughs> yeah, you boil it down into a really basic scenario. Sport would be incredibly dull, <laughs> you know. So it's yeah, all these things need to need to come into play and to be talked about and to be talked about respectfully and with less anger um, than than they are. How we get there, no idea. But that you know that that may be me looking for some kind of utopia. I don't know, but that's that's how I can look at things. I like that. Maybe you could write write on that on a world where everyone agrees. You'd probably just end up with like single a single page book. It'd be short. It'd be short. Yeah, it'd be a short one. The the grocery stores are just called sandwich or something. Like there's just one one thing everywhere. Yeah, sounds pretty lame, man. Hey, well, since we're talking about films, I think it would be cool um, before we end. Um, what let's do some recommendations other than this movie. Um, we, maybe we should rate this movie. Oh yeah. How about this? I want to know what your all's. I also want to know what your all's favorite interviews interviewees. Who your favorite interviewees were? So how about we say our favorite interviewees and rate it out of? Uh, we need we need uh, some sort of scale units of measurement like well, five, five certainty five units. Meteorites. Five five meteorites. There you go. <laughs> out of uh, z- one to five meteorites yeah okay uh, Brian I, I vote you go first oh fine um, out of five I would probably give this four and a half um, a reason I didn't give it five is I, I'm one of those nerds which would actually appreciate it if the movie was longer <laughs> um, and that, I mean to me that's really the only downfall um, of it because it comes in at about an hour and 40 minutes and I could have easily watched it for another 20 minutes, half hour. I There was a scene there where they talked, you know, they went to Antarctica and talked to, like, some of the South Korean um, scientists down there. And I felt like that was just really rushed really quick. Like, almost like, oh, this is at the end of our movie. But, like, you see that that, um, that scientist actually picked up this massive meteorite and they didn't really talk about it that much. And I was like, wait, that's like the biggest meteorite <laughs> like that's in the movie, and they just kind of glossed over it really quick. So, I mean, that's being really pretentious, that's probably one of the reasons I gave it like four and a half. Um, as I said earlier in, in this podcast, like I think my favorite is that priest, the, the Catholic priest, just because well, what a, what a trippy, crazy job that would be when you think of a priest, you think of them in like, you know, you know, you see them in, you know, training other priests or being a, you know, a priest in a church. You don't look at them as like, oh, I'm a scientist that gets to look and study at the stars while wearing, you know, all the, you know, garb and stuff. So that was probably my favorite interview. And and I actually probably would say like that the um, first interview of, of the um, Aboriginal tribe people in, in Australia, I think that was uh, really well done. And like you said, Kayla, but it was cool that she gave her... Um, kind of artistic point of view on it and, and all that, but also what it means to her tribe, tribes, people and, and things like that. That was really, I think, well done. Cool. 
Four and a half meteorites from Brian. I I have just spent the last five minutes going, what a dull world it would be if everybody agrees. <laughs> I, I would just like to say that Brian has said everything I was going to say, <laughs> including the four and a half stars. I'm wanting four more South Korean scientists in my life. Just, just on that South Korean scientist thing, that is, that is a great, that is a great bit of the movie because they find, they find that big massive one, but they also find a very, very small one, a very, like a tiny speck on top of the ice. And then there's this cut to like Herzog going, when they find something on the ice, it has to be a meteorite. Because it can't have come from anywhere else. Wow. And again, my brain went, I have never thought of the yeah. kind of areas of our world as being like, yeah, where else? Of course, where else does that come from? Dean Russell brain goes, yep, no, that's a fact, yep, that, I understand that, that, that checks out. And then my kind of more mystical brain goes, slap that ass. What about this thing? He's a rich, get rid of him. But yeah, I. Agree with everything Brian said. I would, I would say four and a half. Well, Caleb, you have to, you have to give this. One. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I have to, I have to <laughs> hold true to form. I, Brian knows I'm an agent of chaos at times, so I have, to, I have to just break the mold here. Uh, yeah. Um, I, I, you know, I'll say four stars. How about that? Oh, four meteor, meteorites. Um, uh, yeah, I, I thought it was great. Um, just. To offer a little bit of variance, honestly, I, I would say that the Jesuit is probably my favorite too. Jesuits are cool, man. They're badasses. Like I've always thought that they're really cool because they've always been on the forefront of science. You know, like they've always been respectable uh, scientists, uh, to my knowledge. Like they've always uh, like sought after that. To you know, know, like like he was saying, like knowing God through uh, through science and through through creation, I guess, but through the world. Um, I, I, I want to bring up, though, the uh, Mexican spelunkers, the cave divers. That was really interesting. Because yeah. um, they – I'm trying to think exactly the, – the, the caves were, were made by, like, a crater, right, that they're, they're exploring. And I'm trying, to, I'm trying to remember all the details because they didn't spend a whole lot of time with them. Um, what, what was that crew's job that, that, he, that they were exploring the caves with? They're just scientists, I guess. They were scientists again, and they were going. They were going down into these caves that were created, um, and tribes went down into them and buried ancestors. In them. That's right. Yeah, there was all yeah. the remains. Yeah. Yeah, there were remains way down deep, and then they they equated because they had to go down so far to do that. I think I'm right in saying they equated that to visiting like. The underworld or something. Right, so, yeah. Um, they, they equated that crater and what, what kind of lay beneath to be some kind of passage to the underworld. Yeah. So, That's really fascinating, yeah. And I, I, I do think it's really cool when cultures have, um, like, religious observations like like stuff stuff written into their mythology that you can then just kind of turn around and 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 look at like with with islam how they have in the scripture they have the meteorite hitting mecca and then they actually have the meteorite there i think that's probably why iconography is so popular you know in, in a lot of religions it's like oh this is a thing that points to this story 
you know, the, the, this magical mythology that I can actually tie into my physical uh, experience, you know, my, my lived world around me. And I, I think that's, that's really cool. And, and being like, um, yeah, like how, how the, the Maui uh, had their, um, they, they actually go to the crater and it's a part of their mythology and it's actually there. You know, I feel like in Christianity, one, probably because we're Westerners and we're not, you know, in, uh, in Israel or anything like, you know, we're not, we're not in the Middle East. Um, and, and, and then also, you know, we don't have like, we don't see miracles happening. Right? We don't, we don't, we don't see, um, yeah, I don't know. We, we just don't really quite have the equivalent, but anyways, um, yeah, I, th- I think my favorite element, I know this wasn't a question, but I asked the question so I can modify it if I want to, but uh, I think my favorite element of it was, yeah, was, was just all the different perspectives and none of them really being favored and just kind of just all being laid out there. I thought that was really cool. Um, and, and just the fact that like meteorites and, and, and activity in the heavens are so important period, you know, uh, blanket across every single culture. It, it means something. It has some significance. Even if it's not the same significance. And they're talking about like, uh, a, a meteorite hits the earth during someone's reign. And then that, that bestows legitimacy upon their reign kind of thing. And, yeah, I don't know. It's just it's just romantic. It's just exciting and romantic. All this activity in the heavens uh, get in. It's kind of almost some death of God theology stuff, but like the heavens getting ingrained into the earth, you know, smashing into the earth and becoming a part of the terrestrial. It's kind of romantic. Um, for meteorites, yeah. Brian, were you? I think you were taking us in a new direction. Yeah. So I, I will say at the to end that part is I think we all three thoroughly agree that whoever's listening to this go and watch this movie on apple tv um fantastic it'll blow your mind in many many good ways spoiler alert Uh, the the bear eats the guy at the end yeah (laughs) rips his face all the way off no um just just if we have like a couple more minutes um I think it would be really cool to just see what other what other shows or movies we're, we're watching that we want to talk about um um, I, I like this. I think all three of us are really big into like films and and um, other forms of media like TV shows and stuff. One that I want to talk about, which I binged it yesterday. I mean, I know this will come out in a couple of days, but um, on New Year's Day I binged watched Cobra Kai season three, and um, I, I Netflix just nailed, hit it out of the park by getting this because it was originally the first two seasons were on YouTube Premium, which is like something no one has. It's like less than Apple TV. Um, and I grew up as in the 80s. I mean, I was born in the early 80s. And so like when the first Karate Kid came out, I was probably like three. And then when the last one came out, not the Hillary Swank one, but the Ralph Macchio, I was probably like seven or eight. And then watching them over the years seeing that and then seeing seeing you know johnny lawrence and seeing um you know daniel all like as older adults that have kids the the fighting and i won't give it all away but they they the flashbacks they have are fantastic they bring every almost everyone back from the originals and just just it's just such a well done show because you see a lot of these reunions or people trying to you know get it together again and you're like that sucked that was dumb they didn't really think it out but they really did um think this 
this out. So I recommend Cobra Kai. I probably watched. I probably watched it for five hours yesterday because there are 10 episodes and each are a half hour to 40 minutes. But I highly recommend that. Um, and then I also recommend, I won't go into, you know, super detail, but Caleb and I like to show uh, Letter Kenny on, on Hulu. It's a show based out of Canada. Um, and it's based, like one of the creators of it was kind of loosely based, like him growing up in the small town Canada, super crude and dirty, a lot of swearing, a lot of sexual jokes, but um, it's just, it's, I, I just can't stop laughing when I watch it. And just some of the people make fun of Americans for their accents. This whole show is making fun of Canadians for their accents and their little things. It's just, it's just very, very funny. So those are two shows that I'll tell our listeners to watch because it's, they're both really, really good. Nice. Uh, do you have any, anything in mind, Neil? Um, we we just started Cobra Kai, um, the third season there, a couple of days ago as well, um, and it is it is good, and it is at the same time it's also incredibly cheesy. Oh my lord, so <laughs> cheesy! Uh, sure. But they own it's it. Sure. They own it though. Yeah, they, they're completely owning it. But it's it's an interesting show, particularly in the kind of first season, second season, in terms of how it shifts your perspective as to who, you know, because when you watch The Karate Kid, the film, very clear who your good guy is, yeah. very clear who your bad guy is. When you watch Cobra Kai, you're like, he's only a bad guy. I don't know if he is. Mm-hmm. I, don't think he's, I don't think he's a bad guy, and I don't think Daniel LaRusso is as white as snow as his karate gi would have us believe. Yeah. I don't, you know, it, it, yeah, it's good in that way. It's just some things around. Um, Letter Kenny, I don't think has made it to these shores. Although there is a Letter Kenny here. Oh, really? Down in Senegal, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I suppose the big, the big one that we've watched, which may, which may or may not be a podcast in itself, chap, is uh, Pixar's Soul. Mm. Oh yes, I watched it. I watched it last night. Actually, got there yet? Um, wow. Okay, so <laughs> lots to talk about that would probably extend this into the kind of three, four-hour podcast <sighs> range, which nobody would listen to. But there's, there's a lot of stuff going on in terms of what is a soul. Again, where do you come from? How we develop character, what we look for um, as the spark to fire us on. And the, the one thing I will say is I think Pixar films work at their best when the entire family is engaged in it um, and I know our youngest is nine and she checked out after about half an hour now part of that may be because you're you're at home and it doesn't do the same thing that it would do in a cinema setting part of it might just be because the stuff they're talking about is so much bigger than like even the ideas that they give you an inside out it's so complex that I think it might be something for Older kids. Um, I, I don't know, but that was just our own experience. But I absolutely loved it, and I kind of want to take a, a second run at it to try and really get everything that was going on in there. Um, but there was lots of lovely wee lines, and again, one of the songs that's gotten, um, doesn't really do in definite because I could see my kind of 
Christian understanding of death, birth, life, and all that, but I imagine there is people of, of other faiths sitting looking at it and going, yep, I can see that. You know, it didn't kind of hang its hat on any definite, this is what this is about or what life is about. It didn't kind of tack itself onto any one particular belief system in a very, very lovely way too. So, yeah, so, I mean, we could probably do that in the podcast on its own. <laughs> sure. Oh, definitely. Yeah, we could do more of these episodes. We could do more of these reviews of different movies. For sure. Uh, for my recommendation, I guess recently, I've been actually watching some dramas recently. I usually, I generally watch comedies. Um, as far as that goes, Auntie Donna is my favorite comedy of the year <laughs> by far. Yes. Easily. What a good adaptation, too. That Netflix did. and like and it's produced by Scott Ackerman and Ed Helms and it's just like it's just they just did it so well it's so good perfect sensibility for those boys um, but and then but I've been watching some dramas I've been watching that show on is it Amazon or is it Hulu uh, it's called a teacher it's Hulu it's FX FX on Hulu it's called a teacher it's about like grooming and like sexual uh manipulation and stuff and like it is really dark and i i have to take stuff like that i can't just like binge it i'll have to watch like maybe three episodes tops in a night and then i got to cleanse my palate with something lighter um but it it is really dark but like it really like i i didn't really i'd never articulated in my head the specifics of 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 grooming like uh there's there's a trigger warning at the beginning of the show it says like you're going to it says graphic depictions of grooming and it's funny, um, the very first scene in the show, right after the, uh, right after the first time they display that, that trigger warning is of the main character putting on her lipstick. And I was like, is it talking about gr- like personal grooming? Like people might be grossed out by seeing close-ups of someone putting on makeup or something. But then I realized, no, 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 it's talking about, you know, grooming at like, uh, like in, uh, cruel intentions or something like that, you know, um, it's a really dark show, but it's really good, and just the characters are so well written um, and very complex. Like, talk about um, you know blurring the lines between good guy, bad guy, and, and just like seeing why people are doing what they're doing, and it's just like, oh shit, like we're all just fucked up. <laughs> but uh, that and the show in the dark, which is about it's a crime show about a, a blind woman. What hooked me was was the humor, the 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 kind of sensibility of that show the pacing of it the rhythm of it but uh but then it, it gets a lot more serious as it goes along so anyways those are those are the two shows that i've been kind of slowly trudging through because they're both taxing on me emotionally and then i have to go back to watching like tim and eric or something to to uh to, to get get myself away from the seriousness of the heaviness of everything else Awesome. That's fantastic. And yes, I agree before we leave. Um, let's do this again and let's cover Soul because when Neil said that movie is, I'm going to watch it again, but yeah, that movie is so phenomenal. Pixar is so good at world building, so, huh? Yeah. So I think that would be our, we've already discussed or we already talked about what we're going to do in our next one. <laughs> Toy. Yay. <laughs> Neil's so giddy. All right. <laughs> All right, guys, thanks for doing this. Everyone have a good day, um, rest of the day, wherever you guys are at. Actually, I know where you guys are at, so whatever time it is. <laughs> have a good have a good one. All right, fellas, talk soon. Later. Bye.
Thanks for tuning in to our episode. Your support means the world to us. If you'd like to further support us, head over to our merch shop. We have shirts, hoodies, stickers, magnets, and more. All you have to do is go to thesacredcollective.threadless.com. That's thesacredcollective.threadless, T-H-R-E-A-D-L-E-S-S dot com. If you want to find out how to score some free merch, please consider becoming a Patreon supporter. For as little as $5 a month, you can have access to some great discussions with fellow listeners and free merch while allowing us to put out great conversations. Just head over to patreon.com slash sacredmn. That's patreon, p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash sacredmn to check out what contribution best fits you as well as the incentives we offer. If you haven't yet, don't forget to click subscribe, leave a review, and share with your friends. Thanks again for listening. That was a post-Christian podcast.